A lot of people claim that the Bible is impossible to understand. That's because they haven't met the author. Here's Pastor John Randall. Once you meet him, you're going to understand what he's talking about. He's going to give you the ability to comprehend it. The Apostle Paul tells us that the God of this age has blinded people's minds. They don't see. It's like there's a spiritual blindness over them when they open the scriptures. It makes no sense. I don't understand this. I don't comprehend it. However, when you are born again by the Spirit of God, the Bible tells us that we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the Spirit who is from God helps us to know the things that we have been freely given by God. Calvary South OC welcomes you to a daily walk with Pastor John Randall. There are a lot of fakes in this world, fake identities, fake currency, even fake news. So can we trust Jesus when he says he is the Messiah? Jesus is the real thing, and he proved it through his resurrection from the dead. He is risen. So now what? We'll pursue that question with Pastor John Randall here today on A Daily Walk. We'll be in the 24th chapter of Luke looking at the Great Commission. What a blessing to finish up today as Luke presents Jesus in his humanity, of course, Matthew presents Jesus as the king. Mark presents Jesus as the servant. John presents Jesus in his deity and Luke in his humanity. And when you put all those four gospels together collectively, you get the full composite, the full picture of who Jesus is. And so today, what a blessing. In Luke 24, beginning in verse 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. It was J. Vernon McGee, who is a well-known preacher who pastored for over 40 years before he went home to be with the Lord, a great great expositor of the Bible. His programs can still be heard around the world. Even on a weekly basis, you can get on the Bible bus and you can listen to the Word of God being taught. But McGee received a letter on one occasion from a woman and it said this, Pastor McGee, our pastor said that on the first Easter, Jesus swooned on the cross, that he didn't really die a physical death, and that his disciples helped him get back to a healthy state. What do you think about that? And this was his response. Quote, dear sister, strip the shirt off your pastor's back and then beat him with a heavy whip 39 times. Nail him to a cross 
hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear up through his side into his heart, place him in an airless tomb for three days, and tell me what happens. (laughs) Jesus died a physical death upon the cross. The Roman soldiers who were experts in the art of death, they certified that it was so. Jesus' disciples knew that he had died. They knew where it was that he was buried. And the disciples of Jesus, well, they weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. But just as he promised, he rose from the grave, conquering death. As one man said, death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. The evidence of the resurrection is overwhelming. You think of the the broken Roman seal. When Jesus was buried in that garden tomb, there was a Roman seal that was placed on the tomb. However, when he arose, that seal was broken. But that seal stood for the power and the authority of the Roman Empire. The consequences for breaking that seal were extremely severe. The Roman Empire would be called into action to find the man or to find the group of men who were responsible. And if they were apprehended, it meant automatic execution. The people feared the breaking of the Roman seal. The disciples did not go and break the Roman seal. We read in the scriptures that the angel rolled back the tomb, the seal was broken, the guards shook with fear, and they ran for their lives. But then you have the empty tomb as another fact. An obvious fact of the resurrection is that the tomb was empty. Then the disciples, they didn't go off to Athens, they didn't go off to Rome to preach about a resurrected Savior. They went right back into the city of Jerusalem, where if their teaching was false, it would be evident because the tomb was right there. The empty tomb was too notorious to be denied. One man said this, quote, The tomb, the resurrection of Jesus, could have not been maintained in Jerusalem for a single day nor a single hour if the emptiness of the tomb had not been established as a fact for all who were concerned. We find that both Jewish and Roman sources admit that there was an empty tomb. And those Sources range from Josephus, who was a secular historian, and even a compilation of 5th century Jewish writings. We have today, concerning the resurrection, positive evidence from hostile sources, which is really the strongest kind of evidence that you can have in history. In essence, that means that if a source admits a fact decidedly not in its favor, then it's genuine. We also have the grave clothes that tell the story. When John and Peter, when they ran to the tomb and they went there and they saw that it was empty, it wasn't completely empty because the grave clothes were still there. And they were shocked over the fact that they were sitting there and and they were undisturbed in form and position. And then you have Jesus' appearances that confirmed in the gospels that he had risen from the dead. It's important that when you study an event in history to know whether enough people were participants or eyewitnesses to the event and were alive when the facts about the event were published. To know this is is helpful in understanding the accuracy of the report. Several very important factors are overlooked oftentimes when considering Christ's post-resurrection appearances to individuals. The first is the large number of witnesses that Jesus appeared to. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 30 years after the resurrection, wrote that Jesus was seen by over 500 witnesses, many of which are still alive at the present time. 
That's, that's an incredible statement. In fact, one person said this, to take more than 500 witnesses who saw Jesus alive after his death and burial and to place them in a courtroom. And if you had each of them, each of those 500 people were to testify only six minutes, including cross-examination, you would have an amazing 50 hours of firsthand testimony. Add to this the testimony of other eyewitnesses and you would well have the largest, most lopsided sided trial in all of history. Folks, it's a historical fact. The evidence is in. Jesus is alive. And the New Testament preaches a Jesus who was dead and is alive, not a Jesus who was alive and is now dead. The resurrection is the greatest sign to the world of the power of God. The resurrection is the Father's amen to Jesus' cry from the cross. It is finished. On the day of his resurrection, Jesus made five appearances unto his disciples, and in the final 40 days prior to his ascension, he made an additional five appearances. But there were still some things that Jesus wanted to pass on to his disciples, to his followers, before his departure. And I want to mention those to you as we finish up the Gospel of Luke. If you're taking notes, number one, Jesus gave them the ability, listen, to comprehend the word, to comprehend the word. Look at verse 44. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Notice Jesus said the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. This is the only biblical reference to the three divisions of the Old Testament. Usually the Old Testament would be referred to as the law and the prophets, or Moses and the prophets. But this is a more thorough division that emphasizes that every part of God's revelation in the Old Testament points to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, all of the Old Testament, everything that you have, God's revelation to man in the Old Testament points to him. And Luke emphasizes this, showing that the whole of the Old Testament teaching fits together as a promise and how it was always intended to be seen in that way. That's why it's so important to study the Old Testament. To don't just say, well, I want to study the new one. No, study the Old Testament too. If you've never read through the Bible, let me just give you a little encouragement here. Start in the New Testament in Matthew, make your way through Revelation, and then go to the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi, and then keep going until Jesus comes back. But keep reading through it, and it'll make sense. It'll connect. Some people will start in the very beginning, and, and that's fine if you want to start in the beginning. Then they get going, and they get a little bit farther, and they get in Leviticus, and they're like, why, why is everything dying? What's happening here? I love animals, you know, or whatever it is. You don't understand if you don't read the whole thing. And so here Jesus said, all of the Old Testament, it points to me. And and the apostles, they picked up on this. Because on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and preached his first sermon and 3,000 people were added to the church, this is what he said in Acts chapter 3, verse 18. He said, those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has fulfilled. Peter got it. He understood it. How did he understand it? What brought him to that place? It says here, that Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. That's how he understood it. This is similar to what Jesus did with the two, you remember disciples when they were leaving 
to the city of Jerusalem, making their way seven miles outside of the city to a place called Emmaus. Jesus showed up and he opened up their understanding that they might know who he is. When it says that he opened their understanding, it means to open one's soul. In essence, it's to rouse in one the faculty of understanding or the desire of learning. The Lord's the one that does that. The Lord's the one that opens the scriptures for us. Some people say, well, I I read the Bible. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And my question usually is, have you ever met the author? Let me introduce you to him. Because once you meet him, you're going to understand what he's talking about. He's going to give you the ability to comprehend it. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul tells us that the God of this age has blinded people's minds. They don't see. It's like there's a spiritual blindness over them when they open the scriptures. It makes no sense. I don't understand this. I don't comprehend it. However, when you are born again by the spirit of God, the Bible tells us that we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the spirit who is from God helps us to know the things that we have been freely given by God. That the natural man doesn't discern the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. But when you're saved, when you're born again, suddenly your spiritual eyes are open and the Bible actually makes sense. No way. This is amazing. And the great thing about the scriptures, check this out, it's inexhaustible. I mean, you could read it over and over and think, how did I miss that? I'm serious. I've been reading the Bible for a long time. And I read through it and highlight it and make notes. And sometimes I'll get a new Bible so I can re-highlight and re-note. And and I go through it and I love to go through it. And when I go through it, I'm amazed at how I have read this verse many times. And I never saw it like I'm seeing it right now. My circumstances are different. And the application of this passage speaks to me in a way I never saw it before. Or it's some other passage. Is that even in here? I've been reading this thing. I taught through the whole Bible. I didn't even know this verse was in here. Suddenly it just comes alive. It comes alive and it jumps in your heart and you apply it to your life. What causes that? God opens up our understanding to understand his word. And that's what I pray for. Every time I come to the scriptures, I, I sincerely, I ask the Lord, Lord, help me to comprehend what you're saying. And if there's something you want to say to me, Lord, say it and help me to see it. And God does that through the work of his Holy Spirit. It was so critical for the disciples to understand the whole plan found in the Old Testament, that the cross wasn't some unfortunate incident that happened. Then, wow, we we didn't expect that to happen. No, this was all part of the plan. The death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the coming glory and second coming of Christ. It's all part of the plan as revealed in the Old Testament. And once the disciples understood that, Man, everything changed. How your life radically changes when you begin to understand who God is as he reveals himself in his word. They were able to comprehend the word. But not only did Jesus give them the ability to comprehend the word, but secondly, I want to point out to you, he gave them a commission to go into all the world. A commission to go into all the world. Look at verse 46. In verse 46, it says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are all witnesses of this. This is Luke's record of the Great Commission. 
Matthew records it in chapter 28. Mark records it in Mark chapter 16. But this is Luke's account. This is Jesus now explaining to his disciples what he was entrusting to them in the form of the message that they were to be preaching. And the message that they were to be preaching was a message, notice in verse 47, of repentance, of remission of sins. That's what is to be preached. And it's to be preached to all nations. And they were to start in the area of Jerusalem. This is the Great Commission. Now think about that for these disciples. Jesus is saying, I want you to take this message, I'm entrusting it to you, and where I want you to start is in Jerusalem. What happened in Jerusalem? Jesus was just brutally murdered. The people that put him to death are still there. And Jesus says, I want you to go back into that city, and I want you to start preaching this message. Jesus at one point says to his disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. You're going to be hated. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be despised. Some of you are going to be put to death. Some of you are not going to be received. And he says, I want you to go back into the city and I want you to take this message. Turn back for a moment to Matthew chapter 28. If you go to the left in your Bible, Matthew 28, the Great Commission Matthew chapter 28, a little more extensive, a little more information. Matthew 28, verse 18, the Great Commission. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus came and he spoke to his disciples. Now remember, these are his last words. These are critical. He said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus says to his disciples, listen, I'm sending you out. All authority has been given to me in both heaven and on earth. And how Critical that is to understand that, that there is a spiritual battle that goes on in heavenly places. I mean, there is a, a battle that is as real as any physical battle, even though we cannot see it. And I'm, it's good to know this morning that Jesus has all authority in heaven, and not only all authority in heaven, but all authority on earth. He supersedes all magistrates, all kings, all governors, all governments, all rulers of this earth. They are no match for Jesus. He is the Lord of all. And he is sending his disciples out in his authority into all the world. Now, I'm sure for the disciples, when they heard go into all the world, this was amazing to them to hear this. Because most of these guys had never been anywhere outside of Israel, let alone outside of Galilee. All of Israel can fit inside of New Jersey. I mean, it's a small place. And Jesus is saying, I want you to go to all the nations. Uh, everywhere? What? Okay. I mean, this was something they'd never heard. Just a handful of guys to take a message of the gospel entrusted with it into the whole world. They must have thought, how is that going to happen? Jesus said, it's going to happen with the authority that I give you. And so he tells them, go. Someone said, what part of go do you not understand? the go part. He said, that means there's something active happening. I want you to take this message. Guys, listen, the great commission was not a suggestion from Jesus. This was a commission. It was a command. And it wasn't given just to those in the apostolic age. It was something that was given to us. We're to take the great commission. We're the ones that have been entrusted with the gospel. And the church of Jesus Christ is left here, not just to kick back on some mountain waiting for him to show up, but we're to be out there proclaiming the gospel with our lives, with our words. That's something that's been entrusted to us. 
We need to open our mouths. We need to speak. We need to share with people. When was the last time that we told somebody about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? When was the last time we were able to bring somebody in and lead them to Christ and say, listen, can I pray with you to receive the Lord? This is something that we need to be about. This is, this is the last thing that he said to us. This is what we're supposed to be doing, occupying until he comes, proclaiming the gospel, not being fearful, not being afraid of what people might think, and oh, I don't want them to like hate me. Listen, they're gonna, they would hate you a lot more if you didn't tell them. And they ended up separated from God for eternity. We, the church, I believe, needs to have some kind of awakening, some kind of a revival in our souls for, for people that are lost. 35,000 plus people live right outside these doors. And how many of them are going to heaven? I don't know. How many of them are going to hell? I don't know that either. I just know that we've been given a commission and we need to go. And that doesn't mean I have to go to another continent or across an ocean. I can go right outside these doors. I can go across the street. I can go to my neighbor. But that, I take it wherever I go. This has been entrusted to us. The church of Jesus Christ is called to be like a city that's set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. Jesus didn't say, you're a city that's set up on a hill. Turn the lights out and nobody will see you. Just kick, kick back, hide out there. He said, you're like a city with the lights turned on so that everybody sees it from wherever they're at in darkness. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what he's called us to be. That's the commission that we have been given. Every single believer, I think, should live their life like a missionary. We're missionaries in this world. This is not our home. We're ambassadors. We are passing through. May God help us. May the Spirit of God revive us with evangelistic effort. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers, they're few. They're few, and we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. But I think when we pray to the Lord of the harvest, we're going to find out that we're the answer to our own prayers. God's sending us. He's called us. Wherever it is, he's placed us at your job. That's a mission field. There are people that you will talk with that I will never have the opportunity to talk with. There are people that you will come across that, that I will never have the chance to sit down in this kind of a situation and share with them. But that's why God's sending us out. And here's what I believe as we go that we are to take the message of the gospel. And I want to share something with you about the gospel. The gospel is the good news, and the gospel is relevant. It is sufficient for man's greatest need of salvation, regardless of the cultural context in which he lives. Oh, that works in the West, but that will never work in the East. I beg to differ. One, because the Bible says so, but secondly, by experience. I remember going to China and being in a hotel room with this guy, and all that he knew about the Bible, about Christianity, about God. He knew that there was some guy that built a boat. I don't know, I heard about some boat that was built. It's like some huge, and there's like, there's animals and stuff. Heard about some couple that ate some fruit and everything got messed up. I mean, that's what he knew. That's it. And you know what's amazing? When you presented the gospel to this man and you shared with him that he was a sinner, that Jesus died for him, that he rose from the dead, you know what happened? He got saved. God's just looking for people that are available. You don't have to have it all together. Trust me, I don't. But the gospel goes beyond cultural barriers, man. It is powerful. It has life built within it. And Jesus said, guys, I'm sending you out in my authority. The Bible tells us in Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter, here's what it says after the Great Commission was given. It says they went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord was working with them and he was confirming the word through accompanying signs. As they went out, in obedience, the Lord confirmed that he was working by helping them. <laughs> It'd be very easy for the Lord to open the heavens and say, I'm God, you're not, repent right now. But he doesn't do that. He uses weak, flawed instruments like us. 
to go out and present the gospel to a dying world. We're on the final leg of our journey through Luke here on A Daily Walk. This final message in the series from Pastor John Randall can be heard again at adailywalk.org or listen wherever you get your podcasts and at oneplace.com or request a CD copy for a cost of just $5. You can reach us toll free at 877-242-0828. That's 877-242-0828. Another way to listen to Pastor John's teachings is through our mobile app. It's free and available on Apple TV. Do a search for Calvary South OC. We are super excited about this month's offer. It's our Jesus Loves You t-shirt. You can check it out and order it today so you'll receive it just in time for Easter. Request this special offer at adailywalk.org. Just click on the store tab. We're making it available to our Daily Walk listeners for the special price of $15. Again, you can order online at adailywalk.org or call us at 877-242-0828. And anything given above that amount will be put to good use and help people all over the world grow in their daily walk as they listen to these daily studies. In some cases, actually enter into a relationship with Christ. Again, you can donate safely and securely at adailywalk.org. We say it often around here at A Daily Walk because it's true. We want to hear from you. It lets us know where the ministry is having an impact. And we also love praying for our listeners. Write to Pastor John by email today at adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. We'll finish up Luke's Gospel right here next time on A Daily Walk with Pastor John Randall. See you then. This is a presentation of Calvary South O.C.